Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Good to have your company for another edition of Shim, Spider and so much more. And while there might not be much action on the pitch, there is plenty going on off it. A collective bargaining agreement signed for the national teams, but still unsigned for the A-League. A list of 30 clubs released by AAFC who are keen to join a national second division. And the release of the new kits for the Socceroos and the Matildas, with the away jersey for the latter apparently unavailable in women's cut. A women's national team jersey that women can't buy to fit? (laughs) Only in football in Australia. Joining me as per usual to run the rule over the sometimes bewildering world of the game in this country are Zelko Kalats from his taverna in Greece and Craig Moore from his bothy in Glasgow. Maury, you've gone home to Scotland. What are you doing, big yin? Back back home in Scotia, big man. (laughs) Uh, but back, I tell you what, I'm, get, I'm getting slapped about already. Getting up at three a.m. and spiders, what five a.m. and Simon, your twelve o'clock lunchtime. But uh, now, nah, look, the, the idea of being back here in Scotland now is to <clears throat> to build a, a football management company along with my my former player agent Simon. So, a lot of meetings, uh, looking to recruit players, uh, and exciting times ahead. Great thing about being ho- over here, Spider, as you'll know, is. There's a game every day. If there's not a game, there's a talk show, there's a radio show. Uh, it's just, it's football heaven. Yeah, it's brilliant. And you're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning, but we're doing, we're doing it now, Maury, <laughs> to do the podcast. <laughs> Spider, have you, have you got a start date yet for, you, for the new Super League 2 season over there in Greece? Yeah, 20, 24th of October, which has uh, been, been announced this week, uh, which is fantastic for us anyway. It gives us a little bit extra time with the new players to to work and get them fit and get them into the conditions that we want to play and do the shape. So that, that's, that's fantastic for us. So we're excited by that. Have you got keepers yet that, uh, that you rate? 
we we brought we brought one keeper in uh, this week. Another keeper came in uh, from from Bosnia that was playing in Slovenia. So he's in, twenty five year old, good physical specimen. Uh, looking forward to start working with him today. Actually, okay, good stuff, guys. Uh, let's kick things off with the podcast with Simon Says. Simon Says. So 30 clubs this week officially registered their intent to be a part of a potential national second division. Under the working name of the championship, which has caused a little bit of consternation, the new comp aims to be up and running by 2022. And it's released the rather cheeky motto of football as you know it. Ouch. Now, the release of this list has, as per usual, split the football community right down the middle. On the one side are those who believe it's time to reunite the game and that football needs a Division 2 to provide more playing opportunities. The other side, dismissive of the idea, when the top flight isn't exactly firing on all cylinders. Where is the money coming from, they cry. It is a fair point they make. With the game on a financial precipice, how do clubs such as Gungahl and United, just to use them as an example, make the leap from grassroots to theoretically becoming full-time pro? The answer is unclear. That model and the financial burden lies with the AAFC clubs. But I will say this, if there is even a remote possibility of making it work, then I think their efforts should be encouraged. At some point, the game of football has to be bold enough to construct its own future in this country. If we are serious about connecting the grassroots to the elite, then you cannot continue to shut them out. The key to future prosperity is through the thousands of players and clubs around the country who are currently too remote from the A-League. In 2015, the whole of football plan stated that just 22% of junior participants are fans of an A-League club, while other Australian sports counted up to 70% of their base as fans. Has anything changed in the intervening years? The 2015 plan stopped short of endorsing a Division II and promotion and relegation, suggesting instead a managed process of ins and outs to the A-League. Since then, we've had one in, none out, with MacArthur to enter this coming season. The 11 principles has gone a step further without explicitly naming the NSD. Principle 4 states that FFA wants to create a dynamic and engaging football product by optimising competition structures to connect Australian football, promote competitive balance and tension, promote uncertainty of outcome, incentivise sporting achievement and prioritise the fan experience. Optimise incentivize, prioritize. That's a lot of eyes. If only there were as many watching the game. But it's another that is the crux of the matter, sanitize. At the moment, too many A-League games, in my opinion, lack that competitive tension due to certainty of outcome. No danger of relegation, no punishment for failure, little reward for excellence. You can finish below halfway, lose more games than you win, and still have a shot at the title. Therefore, the sanitised nature of the league means the fan experience is diluted. And that's before we even talk about oversized stadiums, substandard pitches, heavy-handed security and ticket prices. A-League clubs are lukewarm to the idea of a second division and promotional relegation, and we understand why. It represents a threat to their seat at the top table and the financial guarantees that go with it. But I believe they're looking at it from the wrong perspective. I think the second division can actually help the A-League reboot and revitalise by introducing something unique to our landscape. Imagine the battle for those top spots in Division 2 and the fight to avoid the drop from the A-League. Fans will be immediately engaged. You could still wait the process in favour of the A-League clubs, 
have a playoff with a second leg at home for the bottom A-League side, for example, introduce stringent criteria such as financial guarantees from any promoted club, minimum numbers of members for entry, limit the TV dividend for the first year, whatever you want. That's all up for debate. Promotion relegation doesn't even have to start immediately. But we need to start the process and begin to remove the glass ceiling. It's hurting the sport. And we have a very small but very valuable window of opportunity in the current moment to implement this. Because of COVID and the reduction in revenues, the salary cap is likely to drop significantly. That reduces the financial chasm between A-League and NPL clubs. Secondly, our better players, whether we like it or not, are likely to leave, thus levelling up the standards somewhat between pro and semi-pro. The switch to winter aligns the seasons. A second division, and ultimately promotion and relegation, would help create at least a better narrative than just a poorer quality standalone A-League, in my opinion. Two years ago, a senior TV exec gave a fascinating talk at the Sydney FC and Business Lunch, in which he said that in order to survive in a super competitive landscape, all sports had to find their points of difference. This is one of our big points of difference. Of all the codes, football is probably the only one that can implement a pyramid system. Four or five years ago, when the A-League had real traction, a second division was seen as a long-term aspiration. Today, after years of squandered opportunities, governance wars, mismanagement, poor strategic thinking and financial difficulty, I'd say it's an immediate must-have to re-engage fans. It would not only provide that missing narrative, a taste of which we have had and loved via the FFA Cup, but also give playing opportunities for our kids, development opportunities for our coaches and more content to sell in the marketplace. Can the AAFC clubs pull it together and find a way? I don't know. If they can't, then make no mistake, this idea will be on the back burner for a generation or more. I repeat, it's on them because I don't think they're going to get much help from inside or outside the game. But let's give them every chance to succeed because the alternative is to offer more of the same. A disconnected A-League surviving hand-to-mouth on ever-diminishing Fox Sports handouts kicking the can down the road to some unknown destination in the hope that one day things might just get better. They can, but we have to force the issue. And I'd urge the game to be bold. Go for it. What have we got to lose? Maury, Spider. Great show. Great show. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, (laughs) see you next week. (laughs) That was a bit of a long one today. My apologies. (laughs) You're spot on, mate. There's nothing. There's nothing more to say. Uh, what was the What was the logo they're using? The game as we know it. Yeah. That, that's what we know about the game, don't we? Uh, relegation, fight for survival, uh, big clubs, small clubs, mate, backs against the wall kind of stuff, uh, and that's what everyone wants. Uh, you're spot on with what you said, Simon. Uh, we need people to start delivering now, 100. percent Big question is money, Maury. That's the issue, isn't it? Where, do we, where does it come yeah. from? It is, Simon, but I mean, when you're looking to, to start up and there, there needs to be investment as that, that, that start-up and, and hopefully these um, you know, clubs that have put their hands up to want to be involved in a, in a second division, um, that's, that certainly needs to be part of the, the criteria. But in terms of the money and what the game can generate, I don't believe we're in a strong position unless we have a national second division. The, the pain will continue with um, the, the same as what we've seen unfortunately. So you, the, the word bold is important here because that is something that um, you know, we need to bring to the table now. I know we're talking about 2022. For me, that, that's still too late. I'll be looking at next year, 
bring it in immediately because I think with the, the expiry of the broadcast deal coming in June, July, we need to deliver and have a clear plan of something new to just generate fresh income to the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree, Maury. I, I, I think the word bold is a statement because, I mean, what are they scared of? Like normal state league season starting March anyway, Maury. We're in September now. So we really do have, you know, okay, half of September, October, November, December to go. So we've got six months before it can happen. And a lot of these clubs that, that want to play in the second division, they're, they're already established. They're already playing. They're already there. It's not as if you're setting up a brand new franchise like MacArthur. They're there. The clubs are there just... Yeah saying, please let us play. Okay, let's uh, hope that uh, we can get a second division up and running sooner rather than later. Let's move on to Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, which has been live streaming since 2008, specialising in custom-built stream pages, pay-per-view and multi-language streaming. They can cater to large online conferences with multiple simultaneous streams and destinations, including all social media channels, servicing clients Australia-wide. Go to streamgate.com.au or find them on Instagram. So, guys, let's kick off with the never-ending saga of the CBA. Some good news this week with the national team CBA having been signed off, but uh, we're still no nearer to the A-League striking a deal. Clubs pushing for this 30% for selected players. PFA said to favour a 20% cut across the board. Uh, and news in the Sydney Morning Herald late last week that the clubs might look to bypass PFA altogether and attempt to strike deals individually with players. This is only going to end one way, isn't it? And that's with FFA intervention at some point. Thoughts? Well, I, I think it's crazy uh, that we've actually got to this situation. But, I mean, we've all been in some sort of negotiations before and we know what it's like. I, I really feel for the players. Um, I do feel for the players because the uncertainty of their careers is is ridiculous at the moment. Uh, Maury would probably know a little bit more about this than what I would. And Maury? Yeah, no, look, it's a, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough situation. And we've been speaking about it for a number of weeks now in terms of the concern of not only the, the, the restart, <clears throat> excuse me, but what, um, you know, what next season looked like, what new contracts look like. Clubs are in severe, severe pain. Um, and, and, you know, certain clubs now wanting to have individual meetings with certain players. Look, I see, unfortunately, just pain that, that, that lies ahead in terms of these negotiations. Uh, there's going to be some disruption for both the players and the clubs. Um, but the sooner they can uh, you know, get something agreed upon, uh, the better, I think, for, for everybody. But there will be loss to the game. Um, at the same time, there will be opportunity for new players, Spider, to come in. Correct. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, got, I agree. Sorry, go on, Spider. No, I, I agree with what Maury said. Uh, maybe the the quality of players that we can bring to Australia will go down, but we'll give opportunity for the newest, younger Australian players. And, and you know what? That's that's a part of football. It's a revolving door, ain't it? That that gives us the opportunity. And if we might, we might have to take a bit of a hit for two or three years for the clubs to stabilise as well. The game will always be there. And and this is why I think the the second division is so important. Because if we can stabilise it and, and the A-League club's salary cap does come down, we all of a sudden go from 12 teams to possibly having 22, 24, you know, 30 teams. So, look, there will be some pain, but I think there's benefit at the end of it as well. 
Just one more on this. Uh, Perth owner Tony Sage indicated in a release on the Perth Glory website uh, on Sunday that he may look to stand players down. I, I don't know whether that's even legal. And that leads us into a Twitter question, Maury. I don't know whether you can answer this one. It's from Luke J. Uh, thanks for your question, Luke. Can you explain how an agreed CBA can mandate pay cuts? I understand it sets the cap and floor, but aren't players individually contracted rather than rather than being paid at a specified level set out in the CBA? It's an interesting question. Yeah, no, look, it, it, it's a tough one, but I've kind of, look, I've heard the same thing, Simon, especially the, the, the Perth situation that, look, I think certain clubs will look to try and stand players down. Um, that, that becomes a, a difficult situation because then the players don't actually, uh, I believe, have the opportunity uh, to leave. Um, and, Smart by the clubs. Potentially, this is a way where, uh, in terms of negotiation, uh, if they want the players to take a 15, 20% cut by standing them down for two months, in effect, they'll be taking a hit. Yeah, I, I don't think that's fair, Maury, to, to be honest to the players. Uh, man, they have careers as well. And if they get stood down, uh, I understand that from the club as well because they don't want to bleed as well. But then you've got to be able to as a player, have an opportunity to go elsewhere. And we know we've heard this kind of stuff in Europe a lot where players haven't received their pay. As soon as they haven't received their pay, they go to FIFA and they get a clearance and they can go to another club. So there's got to be something like that happening because I think it's not good for the players to actually get dictated to whether they can go elsewhere to earn a living. And it is their living. I just think it's, it becomes really, really ugly uh, because, you, you know, you mentioned FIFA there. Plus, I, I think it's, what is it, Fair Work in, in, in Australia. It just, it just becomes a really, really messy situation that I don't think benefits anybody. Um, so hopefully we don't go down that road. But look, anything's possible because there is, like I said, severe pain for the, for the football clubs um, and they just don't see any money come through the doors at the moment. Talking of that money, uh, Maury and Spider, the, the rumour is that the clubs may obtain their independence. <laughs> Goodness me, how many times have we heard this? Uh, as soon as the end of this month, um, now I'm sure I'm not alone when I say I believe this when I actually see it because it's been rumoured for so long. Um, club sources saying they want a full ownership model such as the Premier League, FFA, said to favour retaining some control on the big issues, which may again delay things further but is that actually the only solution to a lot of the game's ills at the moment where, where the clubs get full control and then they can go out and and get this much talked about special investment vehicle go and attract outside uh, money to, to actually revitalize the league and therefore by extension of course uh, get back to paying their players you know what, what they should be paid I think a lot of people would be with that to happen yeah. but again is that the benefit of Australian football I mean or is that the benefit of the A-League itself now this is my concern uh, we're all worried about what one league or are we worried about the game I think the game's more important than just one league spot on spot on spider um, you're, you're 100% correct Look, the, the independence and the, and the clubs taking control, <clears throat> uh, it needs to be supported by the FFA. At, you know, at the moment, the FFA, FFA can't just sit back and say, we're, you know, we're going to leave it up to you guys and all that sort of stuff. They've got to play a stronger supporting role, in my opinion, because the reality is the league and the clubs are in the position that they're in at the moment due to the way that the FFA governed and run the game. You don't think the mm. clubs paid any part in that as, as well? 
uh, Maury, because that it appeared to me, and obviously I've worked in the A-League a long time as, as a commentator and, and broadcaster, that everybody sort of took their eye off the ball and pa- almost passed the buck in many ways. It's your responsibility. No, it's not. It's, it's yours. Um, and, and the A-League sort of, you know, withered on the vine because yeah. nobody really gave it the care and attention that it required, including the clubs. Yeah, I, I look, my, my big belief is, Simon, that we wouldn't be in this situation if three to four years ago, when I was still involved uh, at Brisbane or A-League level, clubs were, were, were hurting in terms of the final series money going to, to the FFA, mm. any commercial marketing deals uh, in terms of car sponsorship and the like. Um, you know, you need to, to bring in a million dollars as a football club because $500,000 of that had to go to, to the FFA. So for me, a little, a little tinker back then would have had the clubs happy because they would have seen more money coming through the door. Um, so when I say that the FFA have a, a, a big part to play in all of this, those are the reasons. Because I think if we sort of like were a little bit softer earlier on, we would be in a better p- position today. But at the end of the day, we, we need the game to connect. We need it to align. We've been saying that for years. Um, and, and maybe, unfortunately, this is a situation that's brought it to a head. Okay. The, the, other, the other thing, guys, I think that we're, we're forgetting and, you know, I think the PFA have played a massive part in where the game's at at the moment because the only thing that's actually gone up is players' wages. So if we keep talking about uh, where the salary cap started more and where it's at now, um, and then all these CBAs that keep coming to head, sooner or later, the money was going to run out and the clubs aren't getting this money. So the PFA, you know, really, I know they're fighting for the players to get the best thing for the players, but if there's no money in the game, we're draining all the money out of the game. Uh, that's a big problem. So they, they really need to have a look, good look at themselves as well. Uh, Spider, we'll stick with you. I know you've got a, a pretty strong opinion on the fact that Perth Glory uh, this week appointed Richard Garcia. And I think Steve McGarry is his number two uh, as uh, the new uh, head coaching team to take over from uh, Tony Popovich and Hayden Fox. Um, obviously, there's a, there's a big question mark over the future of Diego Castro as well, and, and potentially even Andrew Naboot and Nathaniel Atkinson, who are really struggling to get to WA to, to join the club because of the COVID situation in, in Victoria. Um, what, what's, your, what's your view on, on this appointment, uh, Spider? Mate, you know, you know, for me, Simon, I, I'm just so disappointed uh, that Hayden Fox didn't get his opportunity. I, I, I find it incredible that he didn't get his opportunity. Like, we, we talk about... Guys who have done apprenticeships. We talk about guys that have been assistant coaches and been successful. Like he was very successful at Western Sydney Wanderers. He went to Perth with Popper, was very successful there. And for him to be overlooked, I just find it un- unbelievable. And, you know, I feel for Foxy because he'd be, he'd be thinking to himself, what do I have to do? I've got to leave Australia. So I've got to go elsewhere to get an opportunity. And that for me is. When, when Foxy probably has a look around what's happening in the A-League and all the coaches that are getting opportunities, he'd be just saying to himself, well, what else do I have to do to get an opportunity? Yeah, uh, looking, looking from the outside, though, Spider, it seems as if there's been some kind of um, power shift um, because I, I'm not sure. I mean, has Burnsy also been um, re- relieved of his duties or has he moved on, Jacob Burns? Mate, it's, it's Perth Glory, mate. Let's be honest, Maury. Mate, does anyone know what's going on there? Like, I found that I found that so 
a shock. Like, I actually just thought Foxy was going to get the job. I just thought it was normal. So then when I heard the announcement come out, and you know what? It's not about Richie Garcia. I'm not, I'm not saying it's Richie Garcia's fault or whatever. It's when, when someone's been at the club and they've changed the club and it's been so successful the last two years, and you would have thought, and I mean this in all respect, you would have thought after Perth Glory seeing what happened to Western Sydney Wanderers when Popper left, and they didn't give the job to Foxy. And what happened to the Wanderers after that? You would thought Perth would have said, well, we don't want that to happen to us. We've had success. Foxy and the staff know exactly what's happening. We'll keep building from that. And yeah. they've gone a complete opposite way from people that... Have they really done their apprenticeship? Like Richie Garcia, has he really done an apprenticeship? What's he been coaching for, a year? That, that's, mm-hmm. that's all. It's not about anyone else. It's about you know, how unfair... What, what does he have to do to get a job more? Okay. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tough one. Look, Foxy will be disappointed. Um, you know, as, as you've touched on, he's he's had a great apprenticeship for for a number of years now, and, and no doubt could have done the job well. Like it says, at the same time, we can't. Um, you know, Richard Garcia, we know is a local lad, um, and they've obviously had the view spides that, that 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 wants to that that is the direction that they want to take. So I guess you've got to respect their decisions. But for a player, oh sorry, a coach like Hayden Fox with the limited roles in Australia to, to potentially now think, well, my only opportunities are going to be overseas. Um, yeah. That's been the difficulty in Australia because of the lack of depth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move on guys uh, from Perth. Uh, just a quick one on the, on the kit releases of the, the Socceroos and the Matildas uh, this week, which is wow. a huge amount of consternation because the away women's jersey isn't available in a women's cut. Um, now the FFA says it is speaking to Nike. That's just unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, you- not you really. Make, Come on, guys. It's not that unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you know, like, what are, what are they thinking? Look, I just can't. Uh, actually, I can. I, I'm not surprised. But you're just thinking, like, whoever's <laughs> sitting down and negotiating these contracts, always in a contract, there's, there's detail, yeah? Uh, and the new Matilda strip... Um, where there's a massive market and who's going to be buying those jerseys but you know what we don't have them for you I mean it's just madness well let's hope they can sort that one out Um, in terms of the new Matildas coach uh, it appears that Carolina Morace the former Italian coach uh, is very much in the frame to uh, to take over from Ante Milicic I don't know if we have a view on on Carolina or that process guys uh, the process, uh, Simon's a good one because I still don't know what it is. I've reached out to, to Trevor Morgan uh, over the last day to see whether he was involved in the process. I've not had or heard anything back on that, which kind of then only sort of like leads me back to who is contr- controlling the process. So obviously you've got James Johnson, uh, you've got Sarah Walsh within the, the, the building with the female side of things, um, Board, Bresciano and, uh, and Amy Duggan. Um, so, look, I'm only guessing because I've heard nothing. In, in regards to, to Carolina Marace, um, yeah, look, she's obviously uh, you know, a, a, a lady coach that, that was involved in, I think, a City Chi club in the men's side in, in Italy. She's managed national teams of uh, Italy, Canada, Trinidad and Tobago. This is a massive, massive job. Whoever takes this job on for the, for the Matildas, they will be expected to deliver um, World Cup success and, and, and any Olympic success, that is a pressure of the job. So is she experienced enough? Has she worked at a level? That, that, time well, she will was, tell. She's, and, and, well, she's, she's worked as a, 
sorry, Maury, she's worked as a head coach for the Canadian national team and, and the Italian team. Uh, I, get well. I get um, that. I get that. But yeah. the, Canadian, the Canadian national team, you know, has the is expect, expectation ever been on the Canadian national team to, to win a World Cup or to win the Olympics? But that's the pressure of this job. Okay. Well, one thing should be uh, certain, she spent 13 years doing punditry on Italian TV. So as long as she speaks English, she should handle the media pretty well. Um, one more uh, question, boys, because we're going to have to move on to uh, the next segment of the show. Uh, some good news this week. Western United announcing plans to build a new training facility complete with a 5,000 uh, mini stadium. No news as yet on the the 15,000 facility that their entry into the league was predicated upon. And also a concept video put out this week uh, proposing a new sports arena at Riverbank West in Adelaide, which includes a home for Adelaide United, 22,000 capacity for football. Spider, it, it would be a pity to lose High Marsh because it is a fantastic stadium. But is this the way to go? Yeah, look, Hindmarsh, as we all know, all of us who have been lucky enough to play there is a fantastic state. I used to always love going to Adelaide, but they, they, they're, they're headed in the right direction because if they do build a stadium that's 22,000 like that, and I've seen the design somewhere on this new technology, this Twitter thing that I keep looking at, uh, <laughs> I, did see, I, I did see the You're design. It looks fantastic. What's that, buds? Took you forever to get on the Twitter, but you're all over it now. Ah, <laughs> uh, mate, you know when you throw out little designs and that, it looks fantastic. And, and and you know what, a home for football in Adelaide like that. I mean, I know they've already got a Hindmarsh, but an updated model. We are in 2020, so it would be fantastic. Okay, thanks, guys, for the moment. We're going to head overseas. London calling. London calling. So let's start uh, London Calling with the game in London that happened overnight Sunday, Monday morning. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool uh, starting their defence of their crown with back-to-back victories after that uh, narrow run thing against Leeds last week. But they were comfortable against Chelsea. And Spider, I want to ask you about the performance of Kepa the keeper, Aratsu Balaga. What's going on with him? Frank Lampard... It came out and said, he needs my support. He's having a tough time of things. He sure is, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think uh, getting the grips with the speed of the Premier League is not easy. So, I mean, they just got to give him time. If they believe in him, they've got to give him time. Uh, time. Time will tell at the end of the day. And I think Chelsea's good enough to bounce back for it. Look, he's a very good goalkeeper. And I think we've had the same discussion before about the hair. The hair. Like, yeah. they don't seem to adapt as quick to the English Premier League because of the leagues they're used to. Um, you either got to support him or you got to go elsewhere. I, I think you got to support him for now and see see what happens. It's going to be hard though, Spider, because linked over here in the, in the, in the press is, uh, is the keeper Mendy from Rennes. Edouard so Mendy looks, from Rennes, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, it looks like another, uh, another goalkeeper's coming in and you're talking 20, 25 million, so he's not coming to sit on the bench. Maury, no, I've, well, no I've salary caps worry about there. <laughs> That's true. Maury, I think I might have asked you this before, but uh, Chelsea still waiting for Thiago Silva uh, to make his Premier League debut. He is 35. Um, how does he adapt to the, the Premier League? Is he the signing that Chelsea need in that area of the pitch? Yeah, look, he's a, he's a highly, highly experienced player. They're obviously uh, resting him up a little bit uh, you know, due to, to overload with the amount of football that he's played, Thiago. Um, but look, I think he'll come in and, and make a difference. Um, I mean, the game-changing incident, obviously, uh, against Liverpool was, was Christensen, uh, the, the, the send-off. So look, Thiago, 
Silva will come in and, and, and do a very, very good job. He is at a decent age, but he's looked after himself, Simon, and I think he'll adapt and, and do quite well for Chelsea. Staying with central defenders, uh, Maury, which obviously is your specialist uh, position, or was when you were a, pl- a player, excuse me. Manchester United losing at home to Crystal Palace. More defensive problems for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof uh, all too often out of position. Look, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of Harry Maguire, if I'm being honest. Um, I still feel as if he needs that experienced central defender uh, to play beside him and lead him. Um, Lindelof is, is not that man either. Lindelof got absolutely ragdolled by Saha um, during this game. Uh, Crystal Palace, comfortable winners, could have scored more goals. Um, look, I, I still think Manchester United will be okay this season, but defensively, they, I think we've touched on before, a Koulibaly, a, a type, they need a Jimenez. They need an out-and-out defender and somebody that I think can give um, some guidance and leadership uh, that I think will be of benefit to, to Harry Maguire. Spider, I want to ask you about Everton. Um, they've started with back-to-back wins. Carlo Ancelotti, uh, who I assume that you'd probably know reasonably well, or at least have met him on a few occasions, uh, building something potentially a bit special at Goodison Park. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, four goals in two matches, but it's the performances of James Rodriguez, who we all know is a quality player, um, that's really catching the eye. How good's Ancelotti? He, he, you know, people who don't know him, what a, what, what a man, what a manager. You know, like I seen last week, Maury, one of his comments, one of the journos. Why do journos always try to like find find trouble when it's not there? That's our job, says, Spider. That's our job, oh, mate. mate. Seriously, and Ancelotti put him in his place brilliantly. Like I was talking about James, how he's not quick and he won't adapt to the Premier League, and Ancelotti just said. Mate, if I wanted someone quick, I would have signed Usain Bolt before Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think and he, he included said, the, the line last, about the Mariners. And then the last time, the last time he said, well, the last time he remembers that a football field all around the world are the same size. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it's a fantastic signing and it gives something different. And I think the recruiting of Ancelotti has been fantastic. And I think all Everton supporters must be getting goosebumps the way the team is playing at the moment. Uh, very exciting times for Everton and uh, my new team in the English Premier League. <laughs> right. Yeah, Spider, um, just quickly, just quickly, sorry, Simon, just quickly on that. Calvert-Lewin, he, he's touched on the advice uh, that Ancelotti's been giving, giving him in terms of getting in the right positions and one-touch finishing. A little bit similar. There was a quote here, a little bit similar to a player that Ancelotti worked with, Inzaghi. Yeah, yeah. Inzaghi was a serial pest. Let me give you the tip, mate. He was always there and just knew where the ball was going to drop, Maury. And that's instinct. And if you can start to learn those things by a manager like Ancelotti, you become a very good player. And the thing is, they're actually playing an attractive brand of football. So it shows to you that if you recruit well and the manager has his style of football and you bring the right players in, uh, your game can change very quickly. And not many teams in the English Premier League play with an out-and-out number 10 like a James. So it's, it's, it's a special type of player. Just on, uh, on press conferences, which you mentioned there with uh, Carlo Ancelotti, I don't know whether you saw uh, the one during the week between Jose Mourinho and the British press over the potential signing of Gareth Bale uh, to Tottenham. That was absolutely riveting watching. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the backwards and forwards between the coach uh, and, and the media. Eventually, Gareth Bale has put uh, pen to paper. Is he the signing that uh, the Tottenham need? Yeah, look, it's... Uh, it's... 
I, I think Tottenham, there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, in terms of the, the, the media over here about whether Gareth Bale can come in and, and reach the levels that, that, that he's previously hit. Um, but look, I, I think it, you know, on the back of a performance where Son and, and Harry Kane were um, excellent um, in a demolishment job of, of Southampton, add um, Gareth Bale to that. Regulon, they've also secured the services of. So all of a sudden, Tottenham fans are a little bit excited, let's say, over the weekend with a good performance, plus with Gareth Bale potentially coming in. But guys, can I ask you a question? Like, I mean, you would know better than me being over there in the UK and following it closely. Is Tottenham expected to win the Premier League? Like, there's all this pressure on Mourinho. Are they really expected to win the Premier League, Simon? Uh, well, I'm an Australian spider, but uh, you're right. I, I do hail from the UK. Um, I don't know whether he's expected to win the league, but I think he's expected to be top four. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. the thing for Tottenham is that, that they don't win many trophies. They don't win... I think the last cup they won was, what, seven, eight years ago? So, the, yeah. all right, they got to the Champions League final under Pochettino. But I think there is an expectation that they they should challenge uh, for, for trophies and finish top four season in, season out. Is that, would that be fair to say, Maureen? Yeah, yeah. And the, the, uh, Spider, I think here in the UK at the moment, in terms of that expectation of a team that, that should be looking to go and win it with what they've done in the transfer market, Chelsea is the one. Yeah. Chelsea is the team they're talking about with the, the, the amount of money that's been spent there this season. Uh, the confidence um, that, that Lampard has now at that football club with Abramovich spending more, I believe, than, than any other previous manager. Uh, so the, the, the Chelsea expectation of winning something is, is very real and being reported heavily here in the, in the UK media. Talking of money, um, at the other end of the spectrum, uh, sad news that Macclesfield Town wound up in the High Court this week. Uh, they owed a little over £500,000, which seems an absolute drop in the ocean when the, we talk about the sort of money we, we have been doing in the Premier League. They were relegated from the Football League, of course, uh, last season. I'm told that somebody could have bought the club for as little as £150,000, but they could not find a buyer. These are really tough times for the clubs at the other end of the spectrum. Southend United uh, apparently got a stay of execution for the next few weeks. Wigan Athletic in big, big trouble as well. Spider, do you think we're likely to see a whole heap of these uh, smaller clubs uh, going out of existence? And if so, what damage does that do to the football ecosystem? We've been talking about promotion relegation in Australia here. That's so vital, isn't it, for the production line of, of players? Yeah, and I mean, this is this is probably something that's been happening. I think, obviously, this COVID has actually rushed everything on. Um, it's sad because these clubs have been around for a long, long time. And like you said, Maybe the club could have got bought for 150,000, but you know what? Are, what, what comes with it? What's uh, what are the overheads? You know what are the bills that come with it? So we we don't really know, but it's difficult times. I feel sorry for all the supporters there of clubs, the smaller clubs. It's uh, I, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot more around Europe. There's a lot of clubs that are struggling as well. Um, yeah, difficult, difficult well, times. There's a restructure, there's a reset all over the world, isn't it? We're, we're looking to grow, so our restructure is looking to, to add depth, whereas because there is such depth here in Europe, uh, unfortunately, at that lower level, Simon, there, there also looks to, to be a reset uh, along, the, along the way uh, or very much uh, around the corner, and it will be less. Mm. Less teams, less depth. 
I, I wonder, Maury, and obviously you, you've been in the UK for uh, many years on and off uh, over the last couple of decades, whether we're getting to a point in England, particularly, where they may have to re-, re Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Regionalize the divisions. Back in the day, in the, in the 40s and 50s, you had Division 3 North, Division 3 South, and then they went to four yeah. national divisions. I wonder if we're getting to the point where we need to do that again, to cut down travel and accommodation costs for the clubs, even in a country as, as, as small as England. Yeah, but you're spot on there. I think that kind of conference, uh, regional conference scenario that kind of is in play uh, kind of at the, the, the very lowest level uh, in England, but that, that may, may be something that's branched out uh, to try and be a little bit, like I says, creative and find um, some better financial solutions for the clubs at, at this level, Simon. Okay, let's uh, round out this section uh, by heading to Asia. Uh, bids received for the 2027 Asian Cup. Some interesting ones uh, among them. Qatar, of course, they seem to stick their hand up for, for every single football tournament at the moment. India, Iran, Saudi Arabia and Uzbekistan. The winner to be announced uh, next year. Of course, the 2023 event is in China. I mean, if the AFC is smart financially and presuming COVID is, is long gone by then, they go to India, don't they, Spider? That's where the money is. Wow. Yeah. 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 Ma- massive uh, developing country. Plenty of cash. Plenty of people. Stadiums full, you, you would think. But my, my only thing is about the stadiums. I mean, I, I know what you're saying about infrastructure. You know, it costs a lot of money to get these stadiums built. Is India one of those countries that can whip things up that quickly? Probably. So that could be a good call. Interesting. Um, news this week out of Asia as well. The AFC Cup has been cancelled for 2020. Uh, I wonder whether the AFC Champions League might uh, end up uh, going down the same road, although there might be uh, ramifications, of course, financially, if that were the case. Uh, it did resume last week. Not much joy for Mitch Duke's Al Tawan, his new club in Saudi Arabia, beaten by Persepolis 1-0 in both group games in Doha. A couple of clean sheets for Brad Jones, though, for uh, for Al Nasser against Sepahan. Uh, they won 2-0 on both occasions and they are through uh, to the round of 16. Uh, Spider, just a question on Brad Jones. That never seems to really get mentioned these days for uh, for Socceroos uh, duty. Obviously, we've not, not got international football at the moment. I, I, I'm trying to remember, has Brad actually officially retired from the, uh, from the national team or not? No, I, I don't know, but I actually do follow every time he's having a game. He's having a great run over yeah. there. He's very successful. It's sort of like... He's gone into the wilderness, but it's not the wilderness. It's a very big club over there. But because we don't talk about it much, we, we think he doesn't exist. But he's, he's finishing his career. I, don't, I can't remember how old Brad is at the moment. But, I mean, he's playing. He's Late happy. 30s. He's having success. Beg your pardon? Late 30s. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a great career. And he extended again this year after last year's uh, success he had. So it's a fantastic way for him to, to finish his career. 
Last one for you, uh, Maury, on this segment. Uh, Gianni Infantino says he wants to hold a Women's World Cup every two years, and he wants a Club World Cup for women as well. Uh, apparently, a billion dollars has been pledged towards women's football until 2022. We know it's the great big growth area. Um, is that the way forward? Do, do we run the risk of too much of a good thing with a Women's World Cup every two years or not? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good question. Um, I think the the billion dollar pledge that for me there's there's a lot of money involved obviously to to, to grow the women's game. Uh, but again, we you know when you look at trying to get to the level uh, and the standard of, of the men and replicate what's happening there every two years for me I think could be a little bit too much. Um, but the, the the push will be purely financial, Simon. I have no doubt about that. Okay, thanks guys uh, for the moment. Let's move on to our final segment for today. And we've got another fascinating guest waiting to talk to us on Footballers Lives. Footballers Lives. Well, our guest today on Footballers Lives hails from Argentina, a creative midfielder from a town called Reconquista. And yes, I did try to get the Trek Artista from Reconquista to become a thing back in the day without success. He began his career with Union de Santa Fe and then played for Newell's Old Boys and Curico Unido in Chile before pitching up in Australia with Adelaide United 10 years ago. He delighted us with the Reds, winning the Johnny Warren medal, but left after just the one season to go to China with Henan Zhanye. And then it was back to Australia in 2012 with first Melbourne victory, then the Central Coast Mariners, and finally the Newcastle Jets. Since then, he's been in the USA to play for Jacksonville Armada. Great name. Back to Chile yeah. with uh, Kuriko Unido, to Indonesia with Persib Bandung and Bali United, and finally back to South Australia with Adelaide City, where he announced his retirement earlier this year. It is a big podcast welcome to Marcos Flores. How are you, Marcos? Good. Good, Simon. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. No, great to have you with us. Great to have you with us. Um, Marcos, you, you come from the same area of Argentina as, as Gabriel Batistuta. It's, it's a region that produced uh, players <clears throat> such as Leopoldo Luque and Neri Pumpido, as well as Batistuta and yourself. So you must have fallen in love with the game of football at, at a very early age. Yes, when I was a, a really, really young, at eight years old, I wanted to I wanted to buy a Fiorentina jersey, even knowing I, I didn't even know, you know, where Fiorentina come from. But this purple thing was in our brains. <laughs> These little kids, you know, in the in the town of eighty thousand people. Um. And and yeah, um, and obviously when when I idolized him because coming from a from a first uh, from the same hood, from the same the same environment, same development to achieve what he has done in in in, in his career, he was he was a person to look up to. You and you both moved to Australia to live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally ninety percent of the foreigners that come here, man, we get in love with Australia. This is a fact. <laughs> Did you ever meet Batistuta? Have you ever met him? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, me uh, as a child, I just as a, a photo, um, a, 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 a signature. You know, when he was in the petrol station once, um, and then and then his his. His son become a good friend of 
of my stepbrother um, uh, back home. And, and, and yeah, and, and, and now his son was asking a jersey, you know, uh, of, of, of mine. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite crazy. Uh, Gabriel is really, really um, um, a, a quiet, a quiet human being, and really, really humble. Um, but it's just really, really private. Also, I never got a pleasure, you know, to have a coffee or something like that. But, but it is a person. Reconquista is too small, guys. It's like, you know, you you know everyone in the town. It's impossible to don't so know like someone. <laughs> 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 So well, Marcus, it's like, it's like Washington you, next to my town. <laughs> when you were growing up, uh, I don't know if you were a supporter of, of Union de Santa Fe, but that, but that was your first team, the local side in that region. And you scored on your debut after coming off the bench in a Primera B game against Tiro Federal de Rosario. What do you remember yeah. of that? It was the best day of my life. The best day <laughs> my That was the best day in my career. Right. I say it in, in Spanish for an interview, um, for an interview in Argentina, reflecting on my career. Um, they obviously, a lot of people said that, that my highlights in football, um, I'm, 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 I'm probably the right that was Adelaide United becoming the Johnny Warren medal, uh, medalist. I'm, 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 and, I can, and I can obviously, in terms, of, in terms of football and whatever, whatever, potentially can be right but I was reflecting every single goal that I scored in my career and Union de Santa Fe and that day was one of the few times that I kissed the jersey ah. so then I got really in love with Ally United back in the day but I never kissed it and I Why saw a lot of players going through that they kiss one jersey and then they kiss the other one, then they kiss the other one. Ah, yeah, yeah. Very true, and very the, true. Very true. And I, and I actually didn't know Cray until I retired because I was watching. I was thinking, wow, how, is, how crazy is that? I, I kissed my first three goals in the club and I never, ever kissed it again. Huh? Yeah. I want to and I was not thinking... Up. I want to know if any of you boys, Spider and Maury, did you ever kiss the badge of, the, of a club that you played for? Uh, yeah, so of I course made, I did. Uh, <laughs> mate, I, I never did, but like I said, for me, the, the club that, that I had the, the best association with the amount of time was Rangers. But I used to laugh and wind the players up. We used to sign new players every other year. Mate, they've been there two minutes, they score a goal, they kiss the jersey. And as Marcos says, six months later, they're no longer at the club. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I didn't have the op I didn't have the opportunity, Maury, to score a goal to kiss the jersey. <laughs> how, many, how many jerseys did you kiss, Spider? Uh, only Sydney Croatia. So. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see? Do you see Simon? That three of us we got to the to the club that 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 makes you that mm. makes you a player or give you a chance. The club where you born. Yeah. In yeah, this yeah. club, Simon, in, in, in Argentina, I was not getting paid. No, oh, that's all right. That's nothing different to the A League at well. the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Marcos, let, let's bring this back on track. Um, you, you had a, a, a spell with Newell's Old Boys in 2006 where you played uh, alongside the likes of Oscar Cardozo and Justo Villa, uh, two Paraguayan internationals. 
um, and then went off to Chile in 2009. And as we mentioned, you, you came to Australia a year later. How did the link with Australia, the A-League, Adelaide United come about? Because the DVD flew from South America to Australia <laughs> to the Asian that the, um, the Asian that was really new in the game, um, and he thought, okay, I'm gonna send this DVD to the ten clubs in Australia, and he started with Adelaide United because he started with an A. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not that's bad. That's, that's is how my DVD, my DVD, because that that was not a moment on YouTube. Uh, that was a DVD flying from South America to the hands of Jose Martinez, which is um, he he used to write a newspaper in in Spanish in Sydney and whatever, whatever. And um, so this this uh, this man introduced to Adelaide United office, but he sent to the mail that like that. So the secretary checked that DVD, said to Michael Petrillo, Aurelio Wittmar, hey, we, we got one DVD, okay, just put it there. And they saw it, um, Carl Beard flew to Chile to, to see me train. And it all started And that's from how there. we end up, I, I end up coming to Australia, which was at 24 years, at 24 years of age, it was a big, big, big mistake to my career. Um, but that mistake, like I said in other interviews, was the best mistake that I ever made. <laughs> and you're still here <laughs> 10 years later. Um, you, you had that one season, as you said, with, with Adelaide United 10-11, uh, where everything you touched seemed to turn to gold and to goals. Yeah. You, you won the Johnny Warren medal. You scored a hat-trick against North Queensland Fury. You scored that goal that everybody remembers. Um, it was just a season that, that seemed everything clicked for you. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I was surrounded by the best team, teammates that I could have. Mm. I could never ever ask nothing better than, 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 than Travis Dodd and Matthew Leckie asking me the balls uh, in behind. Everything was perfect to... to to, to make me to show my strength. I was played in the perfect position in the middle of the field. Every single player, when they saw me with the ball, they were running forward. Every, the two midfielders, they were winning the ball and just passing forward. And we got a number nine, Sergio Van Dijk, that was holding everything that, that gave me time for a slow player like me to get inside, inside of the box. Uh, but Marcos, very, very smart player, a very intelligent player. Um, your, your experience in Australia, you, you travelled all over the world uh, in terms of your, your, your football journey. But how, how did you find the level in Australia? How did that compare to a lot of places that you've been to? I think, Australia, um, I think Craig, that A-League, um, A-League technically and physically is really demanding. Mm -hmm. is really demanding now now it becomes more more uh, more technical before was more you know about rushing and, and and everyone tackling and everyone fighting but was quite uh, the, the teams were really stretched everything was really open and was you know um counter-attack football for both sides um mm -hmm. and that was the year that brisbane made that click 
to start changing yep. the possession football. But then comparing with China, comparing with Indonesia, with comparing with, I don't know, second division in Chile, um, football in uh, football in Australia, I, I embrace what 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 the standards are in Australia that we can evolve, yeah, for sure. And what I think that it's not a technical, it's not a tactical things that we're missing. It's just the the spirit of the game that that is not quite there. You know yeah. that things that, that make us all the fans to be in love. Are you thinking that's more like the, the, the culture, Marco? So, again, you're, the environment that you were brought up in, uh, a lot of South Americans are brought up in, is, is, is football is everything. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you speak about Batistuta, Fiorentina, purple was in your head without knowing where Fiorentina was. Yeah, yeah. We still, we still lack this, this culture, is, which is maybe something that you're touching on there. Yes, but you know what, um, Craig? I, I won't. I won't ask as a as a football fans and, and football family. Yeah, where my 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 background might be South American and your background, Spider, might be Croatian. Now, it got so so empty, in my opinion, in terms of a spirit, because apparently to be extremely South American is a problem here, and yeah. to be ex <laughs> extremely Croatian or extremely. It got it got some some kind of restrictions that doesn't allow us to express ourselves. That's pretty well put. Yeah, you're probably right there. Uh, it's probably because we're so multicultural, and uh, you know everything has to be the Australian way. And I do agree with you because I think we could have had a lot more South American players come to Australia and be very South, uh, very successful because the quality. Uh, and skill to be a South American player. We know that a lot of South American players don't like to run. We, we know that. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we, we know that. It's, it's normal. And we, we touched on it before about James. Now that's at Everton. I mean, the same type of player that uh, said around the world that he can't mm -hmm. play because he doesn't run enough. But if you find the right manager that wants to set up his team around that quality player, you can be very successful. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and also, why not to see in A-League a club, yeah, that with the background of Croatia, yeah, with, with 10,000, why not? Yeah, we've, we've sort of gone, we've gone past our cultures a little bit and uh, we probably start, we need to bring it back a little bit. That's maybe that, sure. maybe that's going to happen with, uh, with, the, with the second division. Um, yeah, it will. Just want to bring us back to your, your playing career a little bit. Um, you left Adelaide United sort of quite quickly and went off uh, to China with Henan Zhenya. Well, why did that eventuate? Because at the time, I remember a lot of Adelaide United fans being very, very unhappy that, you, that you'd left the club so quickly. Yeah, but I was 24 years old, Simon. Yeah. <clears throat> So you wanted to go, and to, to, to but if you, how how many foreigners back in that in, in back in that day were twenty four years old? That's true. No, there was always there was always the older player that we that would come to Australia, Marcos. Not not at this age, yeah. So you were very not at this age. I was really underage to actually stuck to the club for ten years, and Adelaide United was not in the position to make me a player yeah. to stay in the country.
Why? Because they were more worried about, they were more kind to sell me than just to keep me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the newspaper was the fans. Yeah, we want Marcos to stay forever. I wanted to stay forever. You know why, Simon, I wanted to stay forever? Because I was the best player in the league in that moment. Yeah. I was loving every single second with these guys. But, Craig, that season before I moved to China, Travis left. Matthew Lecky yeah. left. Yeah. Matt Hughes left. And yeah. Paul Reed left. Um, um, uh, Kongwai left. Uh, so it was seven players gone. You know what Rini yep. Cullen said to me? Oh, we're going to change the entire culture of the team. Oh, great. See you later. I'm yeah. gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, Simon? I was right because Adelaide United finished second last the following season. They did indeed. Um, we, we've got a Twitter question here, Marcos. Um, you came back, of course, after, after a, a short spell in China with Henan Zhenya. Uh, to sign for Melbourne Victory. And this question is from Max Conley. Uh, why did things not really click with, with him and, and Ange Postacoglu when at the Victory? Because on paper, it seemed, seemed to be a perfect fit. But you just, this is Max's view. You didn't look comfortable in that system. Is that a fair question? I was a false nine. Hmm. Which, is, yeah, which is not your position. I remember I met Thomas, Thomas Broich in one award and he said, is that Ange trying the false nine thing? And I said, yes. Do you like it? I said, no. Oh, I didn't like me either. either. He couldn't do it with really. <laughs> I was unlucky. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, just to round off your playing career, uh, obviously you, you went to the let, let me, let me, let, Simon, okay. before we go forward, I wanted okay. to say, okay, go, go Ange, Ange can be, in my, in my opinion, the best coach in terms of tactics, teaching, da, 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 da. The fact that I didn't fit in that system is just a football-wise. Football yes. Yes. I'm not saying that I, 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 I didn't shy or I'm finding excuses. No, because I'm happy. I played 95% I played, um, of the games. I scored a goal of the year. I did what I could, but it was not my position. That's it. Okay. But big respect for Ange, Simon, yeah? Big respect in football knowledge. Of course. Let's, let's round off your playing career. You went to the Mariners and the Jets, as we said, uh, and then the USA, and then Chile, and then on to Indonesia, uh, first with Persib Bandung, along with, I think, Sergio Van Dijk and Diogo Ferreira. Um, and then you, you had a good season with Bali United in 2017. You scored eight goals in 26 games, uh, got very close to winning the, the Indonesian Championship, um, losing out on a head-to-head against Bayangkara. Uh, a Twitter question from Ben Archer. What was it like playing for Bali United? We, we've heard stories of violent fans and fixed matches over there. Is that an accurate description or is that uh, just fantasy? Yeah, it is a challenge. Yeah. It is a challenge, but uh, tough people can get through and make money through Southeast Asia. But if you're not tough here, mm. you can survive more than one, 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 one month, two months. And that's it, because it's you, it's you. The standards of A-League are so good, guys, that once that you move, yeah, there's a matter if the level increase in football-wise, like going down or second division in Greece or second division in Italy, 
you start missing the things you know it's normal to miss the flights that the uh, the flight from sydney to melbourne and you start missing that the, every 15 you got your paycheck in your account you don't need to even look at it um so when you go to to different football um you need to you need to embrace the challenge and this is what i did in indonesia i loved the challenge but i also know what the things got wrong there that jesus christ you know and um, you uh, when you go and play away you play against 12 not against 11. <laughs> and if you cross if you cross half of the field you being you have an unbelievable unbelievable game i said i said to the i remembered that i was i was part of the foreigners and the leaders of the team to the point the captain said to me you marcos speak to the team so I have to go to to learn a little bit Indonesian to start, you know, being accelerating the process. And I remember, Craig, that you're gonna laugh. I said, I said to the guys, let's get a point. Just one point away. If we drew five times away and we win every single game at home, that is guaranteed we're gonna do that, we're gonna win the championship. And we went with that mentality that we're going to lose underdog, that we were able to win few games on the road. I think we won four and we nearly won the championship. Well, yeah. But, but it, it took teamwork. It took to overlook the showers, um, overlook the meals after the game. Uh, over, I overlooked the fact that we didn't have uh, cars, only motorcycles, you know. Um, but you know, you go through, and if you love the game and you want your career and you want to be successful, that is the yeah, things yeah. that you need to go through. But that's a great experience, Marcos. That 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 football experience, different cultures. Obviously, um, a lot of different things happen, and for a lot of Australian players uh, that are still looking to travel and maybe not of the level to go to the big five in, in Europe, which is the case now. That mental side that you touch on, um, it, it's just so important, isn't it, really? Because you get thrown so many challenges. Well, I, I want to mention one good friend here, um, Austin Ayubi. He's an 18 years old uh, playmaker. He reminds me a lot about myself when I was growing up, you know? Um, uh, with the, with, you know, with that little flavor that he didn't know where to, where he was going to be, but not perfect. I was not a perfect player. I was not a European. I was just like, ah, try to make a through ball. Um, yeah. Um, and he reminds me a lot of that. Um, and he called me. He said, "Marcos, uh, can we have a coffee?" I said, oh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, yeah, Austin, uh, what happened? I said, "I'm gonna leave NPL. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sit on the bench on NPL." I'm going to go and get in a, a contract in the second division in Cyprus. Okay. Um, he, said, what you, he asked me, what do you think? And I said, I think it's all right. If you think there is an opportunity, yeah, it is going to be first division. It's going to be professional. Yes. Okay. Just go for it. But let, uh, let's have a coffee. I'm going to explain you what you're going to go through. Yes. In the first month, you're going to miss your girlfriend. <laughs> the second month you're gonna visit a playstation with your brother the third month you're gonna miss your mom birthday 
But let me tell you something, buddy. If you get through, you're gonna live play, you're gonna pay bills playing sport. When you have this doubt, call me. I'm gonna tell you what I get, what I've been through in China, what I've been through in Australia the first month that I arrived. Yeah, yeah. yeah because Adela is beautiful, mate, but I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't speak English, so I was, I was behind. I was I was outside the subway um, to 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 buy a sandwich, and I couldn't say tomato. I couldn't say lettuce. So I just went there and I said, "Hey, hey this." Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing I'm, the same thing in Greece now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. and you know Very what? Good. The first seven days, Craig, I didn't eat anything <laughs> because when the <laughs> When the girl was telling me which Italian bread or whatever, oh, no problem, no problem, no problem, and just left. Yeah. Yeah, and I tried yeah. to buy a sandwich in the service station, you know? Marcos, let me tell you, it's good that you couldn't eat. It was good for your skin folds because I know you South Americans <laughs> aren't very good with the skin folds. He's <laughs> <laughs> good with the martyr today. Um, Marcos, that sort of brings us full circle. You, you as we say, announced your retirement uh, last year. Before that, though, I want to sort of talk about. Mm. Uh, what that's led you into because you had a bit of a personal uh, epiphany about what you wanted to do with your life um, around around about the time of the, I think of the of the World Cup in in Russia and your father passed away but can you just tell us a little bit about that when I finished that season with um, with with Bali United the president wanted to extend me and he even gave me a role I said if you stay one more year you're going to be the next coach um, and I said, no, no, thank you very much. Um, it's all right. Uh, I feel, I feel something that was not right. And when I said to, you know, guys, you play the sport, you don't reject a contract when you don't have anything in hands. Is that correct? But, <laughs> but that, that year I did it, Simon. I didn't know for what, you know, but I came back. I was tired because I put a lot of energy. So when I went back home, my father passed away from a heart attack from one day to another, pop, disappeared. So it, that, that really makes me upset because I was traveling for 10 years thinking one day I will stop and I will enjoy with my father every single day. And I didn't have a time, you know, I didn't have that, that, post, that chance. So... I fixed all the belongs from my father and I, my, my, my wife, Russian, my wife, Russian. Um, she said, let's go to Moscow and, 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 and let's do the rehab there, you know, emotionally. And I went to, to Moscow, but I couldn't, I couldn't train at 30 years old, 31. I couldn't find that motivation to train. Mm. And I said, you know what? Um, uh, I'm going to quit football. I'm going to quit professional football because I don't want to, to, to do the precision. I don't want to do nothing. So I desire, Cray, uh, Cray and, and uh, guys, to actually start teaching soccer in the streets to random people. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I went so mental on this that I ended up from Russia. I went out to Greece, Heraklion, from Heraklion to Palestine, Palestine, to Israel, to Egypt, to Kenya, to Tanzania, 
to Madagascar, to South Africa, just teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, teaching, teaching different, you know, in, 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 with my body language. Until I received a call from Anna City that they wanted to donate, donate um, soccer boots. Mm-hmm. And I said to the, to, to the LA City voice, I said, look guys, it's really kind and lovely from you, but I'm, I'm helping kids in the street. How can I track them? Let me come back to Argentina and I will give you, you know, um, I will give you some address to some few things. Thank you very much. And they told me, what about playing, Marcos? And I said, no, man. And he said, what about engaging the community in Adelaide? Okay. Yeah, I like yeah. that. So that's how I came and I joined Adelaide City for a year. And that opens an spectral in my, in my brain and a conflict yeah, of how to approach the youth development in Australia. How to make the, the fees affordable how to help the kids to really evolve and not just paying fees and turning two times per week in a club with no purpose. So I got into this mode and I'm refusing to be just an academy. I'm not this. I'm a person that you can meet me every Tuesday in the park, every Tuesday. I'm not having term one, term two, term three, every Tuesday. Every Thursday. Well, that's a great that's a great story, Marcos. I mean, because uh, it's a way of giving back to to something that you love very much. Uh, it's about um, giving opportunity to everybody. We keep talking about football in Australia, how we we believe it's not inclusive to all down to the money that that, that you touched on. So, yeah, uh, my. Amazing, amazing that you're doing that. That's a, that's a fantastic thing. And I'm sure as you're speaking, we can hear your passion. It's obviously bringing you a, a lot of joy as well. Craig, I loved it. And, and, and the things that I'm talking to the youth development coaches that, that, that we discuss things when we get together is that we need to learn as the coaches that we got at least seven or eight different approach if we want to if we want to include everyone to play the game. Because if we just only go with one recipe, with one approach, we filter in a lot of kids. Yeah. But now, since I came back to Australia, I started to coach under 10s, kids that won't have the fundamentals in place and kids that they don't have it. So the two trainings are different. Yeah. Same age, but two different trainings. Is that correct? Of course. Yeah, you have to. Now, for everyone's got their different levels. That is the point. So, yeah. cerebral palsy kids. We established the cerebral palsy team. Kids with a disability. Yeah. Right. Now, they receive a different approach. Hmm. Now, these kids have proved me that the approach has to be different, but there is no limit. Because the key, you know what the cerebral palsy players, which I'm really proud and I send them a big kiss. Um, you know what the cerebral players here in South Australia that we're training um, one Saturday every two weeks uh, for free, Cray, in the park, yeah? yeah. We're loving each yeah. other. It's perfect. Now, yeah. Cray, they got something that the professional players 
some they got and some they don't. Yes. You know what it is? They Passion. know the limitations. <laughs> they know the limitations, Spider. And because they know the limitations, they really always ready to receive the ball. Because they know the limitations, they don't try to shoot from halfway. They play tiki-taka, cry. They complete the drill better than kids of 14 years old. That they think they know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we got it on video. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, if we're really honest and we really wanted to evolve players, we can do that. But we need to put a lot of passion, a lot of love to do that. And in the club that help us to, to deliver the full, the full version of, of, of development. Marcos, we could, we could talk about this for, for hours on end. Unfortunately, our limitations are that we're, that we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> we, no, no, it's, it's fun, fascinating stuff. I know you're making a documentary as well, so we're going we're gonna to watch out very closely for that. Uh, and we applaud the fantastic work you're doing with, with kids uh, down in South Australia and indeed that you have done right around the world. Um, one final question for you. It's our Twitter question of the week. Um, Make it a short answer if, if you can, because I say we're almost yep. out of time. It's from Nicholas yep. Rapolo, uh, who wins a $100 voucher for Outback Steakhouse. Thank you very much to our wonderful sponsors, uh, along with Streamgate. And Nicholas asks, Marcos has been critical of A-League clubs and their lack of connection to their communities. Why, after 16 years, does he think they haven't done that? As brief because as we be, be, Marcus. Because, yeah, because... Because we become, we become following the business, the business, the, uh, just only the business side. Mm. And, and clubs are family, are not business. It's a family that, that, that make business, you know, because the clubs is like that. Football moves, moves money. But, but, uh, but clubs are family. When you go to Rangers, uh, you got the, the person who cleans the locker room is the same one who cleans for the last hundred years. Yeah, That's yeah, how you yeah. roll. That's how you roll the club. And if the club doesn't know how to do that, and they don't treat the fans like friends, like brothers, and only people who actually pay $10 to watch a game, uh, you're going to have less and less and less every day. In South America, 30% of the stadium doesn't pay, doesn't pay to go to the stadium. 30%. That makes mm -hmm. potentially 80,000 people to come for free. Mm -hmm. Is that happening yeah. here in Simon, in, in, in A-League? No. No, not enough of it. Not enough of it. It's uh, it's definitely something that we we can do a lot better, Marcos. Uh, there's no there's no doubt about that. And like you touched on the the kids that you're working with, there needs to be more than one approach to anything. Hundred percent. Marcos, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, hearing you talk about both your career and what you're currently up to. Uh, all we can say is uh, thanks very much for spending some time with us on uh, Shim Spider and so much more. Really appreciate it, mate. Much love and respect to all of you. Um, and thanks for everything what you do uh, for the game in Australia. Like you say, Craig, is not, nothing is wrong. We have to evolve what we have on the table. Let's embrace, what we, let's embrace the A-League and, and help it to evolve, to make an evolution. Absolutely. We don't need to change anything. We're going forward. Slowly, but Brilliant. we're going forward. Brilliant. Great pleasure to, ha to have Thanks, you on. Marcos. Fantastic. Great stuff. Much that, love. Respect, and, guys. Thank you very that is, much. 
That is us for another week. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Streamgate and Outback Steakhouse. Another global edition of the podcast coming your way, same time, same place next week. Until then, bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.